Hello everyone and welcome to another Form3.tech podcast. My name is Kevin Holditch, Head of Platform Engineering at Form3. Today I'm very excited that I've been joined by Daniel Holt from Cockroach Labs. How's it going today, Daniel? I'm going well, Kevin, thanks. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Um, do you just want to introduce yourself and what your role is at Cockroach? Yeah, I can do. Uh, my name is Daniel Holt, and uh, if you haven't guessed from the Welsh accent, um, I'm based just outside of Cardiff in Wales, uh, and my role at Cockroach Labs is is I run the, the sales engineering efforts uh, for all of the European and Asia-Pacific uh, accounts for Cockroach Labs. Cool. Um, so do you just want to take us through what the different types of databases are and where sort of Cockroach fits into that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important for everybody to understand um, the the evolution of the databases over the past sort of 20, 30 years. And then we can we can talk a little bit about where Cockroach uh, DB fits into that landscape as well. So if if you go back right to the beginning, you, you have, of course, IBM mainframe is, is the one that always comes up as one of the first databases. But beyond that, you have things like Oracle, SQL Server, Postgres and MySQL. And we consider those to be really sort of relational databases or traditional relational databases. And where those types of technologies are really good are for things like ACID transactions. They're, they're also very flexible in terms of you can write SQL queries or multiple SQL queries against the same schema that you're designing. Where they really sort of, sort of I wouldn't say fail, but where they struggle is, is in terms of scalability. Um, horiz- horizontally scaling, relational databases can be done, but it is very difficult and onerous on sort of application developers and database administrators. That's where the NoSQL technology comes into play. Um, the likes of Cassandra and, and Couchbase and MongoDB, and what they are is sort of the complete flip reverse of traditional databases. They allow you to scale horizontally very, very easily and very, very quickly. However, with that scale, you do lose some of the consistency aspects, the ACID compliance and the flexibility of a traditional relational database. People then often look to the cloud to, to achieve some of these things. And we have a, a section of databases, what we are calling cloud augmented legacy databases. So these are your Aurora's, your Azure SQLs and your cloud SQLs of the world. Uh, and what the cloud providers have actually done is take a, a, a traditional legacy database and just re-architect one portion of, of the database. So in Aurora's case, they just re-architected the, the distributed storage layer um, to allow you to get those read replicas. But there are still obviously some concerns with um, things like scalability when you do that. And that's where Cockroach comes in. Cockroach was actually built from the ground up to be cloud native but also adhere to a lot of those cloud native principles like the horizontal scalability without compromising on things like um, ACID compliance, transactional consistency and things like that. So you can think of CockroachDB as a, as a bridge that is trying to, to, to bridge the gap or the, the feature set gap between all of those different database technologies. Okay, very cool. Can you just explain to the listeners what ACID compliance is to make sure everyone's on the same page? Yes, we can do. Uh, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the word ACID. I think it gets thrown around too lot in the, in the database space because you can make most things atomic and durable, which is the A and the D of ACID. What most people are interested in is the, the, the consistency and the isolation, which is the C and the I portion. Now, nearly all sort of um, legacy type databases 
um, have some form of acid consistency, but it does vary depending on what we call the isolation level that is used within those database technologies. CockroachDB uses serializable and it doesn't allow you to, to tune or configure that because we believe at Cockroach that the accuracy and the consistency of your data is more important than anything else. Because let's be fair, if you uh, are running like a, a banking transaction or something like that, I want to make sure that I'm seeing consistent data and not data that is a couple of seconds old. So is that really the sweet spot for Cockroach then for a company that wants to run a sort of globally distributed database where they need that transactional consistency, such as in your example for a banking application, is that where Cockroach is the perfect fit or could it also be used for some of the use cases that people use sort of Mongo for and those NoSQL databases? Yeah, I mean, um, we pitched CockroachDB as, as a general purpose database. So we can be used for a lot of different sort of um, use cases and workloads. Um, the one thing that we are not good at, and we're quite open in saying this really, is we're not a fully fledged sort of analytical type database. So if you want to run really heavy OLAP or multi-dimensional queries against CockroachDB, then there's probably a better database technology to do that. But in terms of our sweet spot, I think you're right, Kevin. I think, you know, um, our actual, actual sweet spot is where you're at the brink of outgrowing maybe a Postgres or a, or a SQL server and you need that scale, but you don't want to compromise on things like consistency and the flexibility that, that come with SQL server, uh, with any SQL server like SQL server, Oracle, Postgres, things like that. The other really unique features of CockroachDB uh, for running in those distributed ways is we have the ability to give something that we call locality to data, which really helps with reducing things like network latencies when you're running these distributed applications. That brings me on really nicely to my next question, actually, because I noticed from reading the Cockroach documentation, there are a few different topologies that you can deploy Cockroach in, um, depending on whether you want to sort of optimize for performance or availability. Can you just talk us through those different options? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's there's predominantly, I'd say, five different topology patterns that you would see in our documentation. Uh, and I'd like to give, uh, I'd like to go through an example uh, of each of these uh, these topology patterns in that case. So we have one which you'll see through our documentation called geo-partitioned replicas. And what that does is actually constrain data at the row level into certain geographical boundaries. So a nice example that I like to give is, is you could have a, a couple of nodes in the UK, a couple of nodes in the US, and a couple of nodes in Australia. What you have the ability to do with CockroachDB is, is tag those nodes with their geographic locations. What we can do then is we can apply some clever constraints to the data itself. So at the row level, we can say that UK data needs to live on UK nodes, US data needs to live on US nodes, and Australian data needs to live on Australian nodes. That has two massive benefits when you're running distributed workloads. The first one is obviously we cut down all of the, the, the network latency that is involved in running distributed transactions because the UK data is only in the UK. So we don't have to do a transatlantic network hop just to run a distributed transaction. The second one is, uh, is massive for us and, and it's given us a really unique place in the European marketplace in particular is, is around compliance. So we all know that GDPR came out uh, a couple of years ago and, and, and we have to live by those laws now. So with CockroachDB, you can actually prove that your data is stored within different sort of sovereign boundaries to help you comply with some of those, those, those compliance and laws. Okay, 
the the other sort of uh, topology patterns all follow on from that. So there, there's ones called geopartition leaseholders, which will still allow you to distribute the, the the data across different localities. So in this case, we will put one replica in the UK, one in the US, and one in Australia. But we will allow you to read just from the the the, the local nodes then. So for UK people, they will read from UK nodes from the US people they will read from US nodes, giving you super fast read performance, even though your write performance is going to be slightly slower because we have that transatlantic network hop in there. The third one is, is something we call duplicate indexes. Um, and what that will allow you to do, as you can imagine, is just duplicate the indexes across different regions. That's really good for static lookup data because that means that all um, joins are then done locally within the individual regions themselves. Um, the, the fourth one is something called follower reads. Uh, now that's slightly different type of topology pattern because um, it will allow you to read from a replica rather than having to go directly to the, the region that is governing the reads and writes for that particular region. There is a caveat to that is the data can be up to four and a half seconds old because we're reading from the replica and not directly from a source. Um, but if you can accommodate some staleness, that is a great option for increasing some performance characteristics of workloads. The last and final workload um, or topology pattern um, is something we call follow the workload. It's not really a topology pattern. This is just how CockroachDB works out of the box. So in the, the US, UK, Australia example that I gave earlier, what we can do is dynamically move the leaseholder for the reads depending on where the traffic is actually coming from. So the UK wakes up first, we'll put the leaseholders in the UK, meaning they get a lot more efficient reads. As the US start waking up, we can move them to the US so that they can get really good user experience and then on Australia in, in the night for us then over there. So really dynamic. Okay. You mentioned sort of leaseholder a few times there. Can you just explain what that concept is and how it sort of helps Cockroach achieve an uh, ACID compliant right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I was hoping that, that that just phrase would prompt that question. So thanks, Kevin. <laughs> um, underneath the hood, um, CockroachDB uses a quorum or a consensus-based algorithm called Raft. Um, and if you've been in the in the distributed computing space for any length of time, you'll know there are three, predominantly three consensus-based algorithms. One is called Raft, one is called Paxos, and the other is called Calvin. Calvin is slightly more complicated, so we won't talk about that one. <laughs> Paxos um, is used and is probably the more commonly known one, but it is really, really complicated to, to work with and to start developing with. So we took Raft as the consensus-based algorithm because it's it's nice and easy to work with and uh, it's open source. Etcd uh, and Facebook actually uh, originated the Raft protocol. But what it is, is a, a means of managing distribution and replication using a consensus or a quorum-based algorithm. So, for example, if you run with a replication factor of three, you have to achieve a consensus for all write operations. So two out of those three nodes have to acknowledge the write. Um, and then the third one is asynchronously up to date. But in order to govern um, or control that read and write operation, one of the, the replicas within the, the, the raft group we call the leaseholder. Uh, and that leaseholder is what governs the reads and writes for a particular replica. Um, replica set then with, with CockroachDB. Okay, so following on from that then, I guess that takes us back to the topologies because it's po kind of possible to set Cockroach up as, as you kind of stated so that 
Um, it keeps all data in one location. So it can do consensus very quickly and have very quick writes because all, um, all my nodes, my free replicas with that data are all based in the UK. My person's in the UK, so they can write very quickly. But the downside is if all free availability zones go down in the UK, I have data loss. Whereas the flip side of that is that I could have one, you know, one writer in Australia, one in the UK, one in America. It's going to take me longer to write because I'm going to have to cross the Atlantic to get one of the others to say yes. But it gives me that resilience because now if I lose a region, I've still got the two copies of that data. Is that kind of at a high level how the different approaches work? It, it is, and it, it could be seen as a pro and a con as well. So a lot of people see it as a con. Um, I don't think data loss is the right term to use there. It's data availability is what I would use um, because your data wouldn't be available for, for, for anybody to consume if you lost that entire UK region, for example. But the pro of that is even because you've lost that UK region, because you've segregated your UK data, your US data and your Australian data, because you've lost the UK region means that the UK people won't be able to access their data. But the US people will still be able to access their data and same for the Australian people. They will be able to access the Australian data as well. But you are correct. Uh, the other way or, or of giving yourself some additional resiliency is to allow the replicas to be placed in each country then and that will give you your, your, your extra resiliency. The other thing you have to consider is you can also um, add more regions in the UK, for example. You know, you could have three regions in Europe um, and then you're, you're eliminating the transatlantic network hop and the network hops are only happening within region or within multiple regions within Europe, so within continent. It does bring up a good point that I get asked a lot though, Kevin, is, is, is what type of a database is, is, is CockroachDB? Is it uh, an AP database? Is it a CP database? Um, and, and the answer to that is CockroachDB is, is fundamentally a CP database. So in the CAP theorem, there are three, um, three pillars. There's consistency, there's partition tolerance, and then there's availability. CockroachDB is always consistent and partition tolerant, and we will allow you to tune that availability depending on your survivability criteria. Okay. I think one thing we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that Cockroaches um, uses the same syntax as Postgres. Um, so you just talk to me a little bit about that and how mm -hmm. compliant it is with the Postgres syntax. Sorry, sorry. So how easy yeah, is it absolutely. someone to migrate if they're using Postgres already and they're kind of stretching the boundaries? Is is it quite easy for them to migrate onto Cockroach, or have they got to change quite a lot of their queries? Yeah, it's a it's an awesome question, uh, and it's one that we thought of right at the start of of when we were starting to develop CockroachDB. Um, we had to pick a dialect of SQL to to actually use uh, with Cockroach. We did toy with creating our own SQL dialect as well, but we thought that would be overly complex for developers to adopt CockroachDB. So we actually picked the Postgres dialect of SQL to use, um, and we also able to to piggyback off the Postgres wire protocol as well. So for any application developers that are using any ORMs or programming languages that have a Postgres compatible driver, it's going to be extremely easy to connect that to CockroachDB and it will just work and be able to communicate. In terms of migration strategies, I absolutely hate it when people say that migrations are going uh, are easy because I've, I've, I've never been involved with a, with a migration that is actually easy, no matter what the size of the application is. However, if you're coming from something like a Postgres, um, we are we do support, I would say, 90% um, of the Postgres 
functions and features that are available. Being perfectly honest and transparent, um, some of the main things that we do not support currently are things like um, store procedures, triggers, uh, and uh, cursors and user-defined functions, things like that. So providing you can sort of architect and, and code your way around or code your way out of those features, it will be a very nice um, migration process for you to, to use CockroachDB. Okay, awesome. So can you talk to me a little bit about what the architecture of the database is, please? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we when I talk about databases in particular, I, I like to talk in layers. So there are multiple layers to a database. Um, and let's be fair, all databases have to have a data tier or a data layer. You may be surprised to know that our data layer is actually a key value store. Um, we previously adopted RocksDB, but in the in the last two releases, we've actually developed our own uh, key value store called Pebble. Pebble is open source. If you guys want to go uh, go away and do a little bit of Googling and, uh, and have a look, it's, it's quite a, a fun little database to have a play around with. But we do. We use a, a key value store as our, as our data tier. Now, that key value store is actually never exposed to end users because that would just add complexity into um, developing applications against a database. So the only way you can interact with, with that key value store or with the database itself is through a SQL API. And as we previously mentioned, we've adopted the, uh, the Postgres dialect and Postgres API um, for that. The other layers that are included is, is this one that we call the global coordination piece. What that basically is, is the distribution, the replication, the, replication, the transactional layer uh, of the database. Uh, and a lot of that is governed by the RAF protocol, again, which, we, which we've talked about. It's a set of database heuristic that manage the, the self-recovery options, um, the, the, the distribution of data, uh, and the movement of data depending on load as well. So if one node is, is being you know, hit more than other nodes, we will try and split data out across those nodes to make full and effective use of all of the hardware that you have available in the cluster. On top of that, another layer is the security layer, and we have a full security uh, model with CockroachDB. So you have things like uh, encryption at rest, encryption in flight, and a full role-based access control as well. Yeah. We spent probably the, the first three years of developing CockroachDB purely working on a cost-based optimizer, and that's the next layer I'm going to talk about. And this is where we really differ from a lot of our competitors in the space at the moment is we've actually built a cost-based optimizer from the ground up so that we can be very granular in tuning that for, for, for performance reasons when running distributed types of workloads. A lot of our competitors, what they've done is take an existing single node Postgres optimizer, for example, and just try to reuse that, which doesn't work very well when you're running in a distributed fashion. Some of the, the usability features that we, we, we've included as well um, in our layers is, is things like a, a database console, which gives a lot of time series and graphed data around CPU, network, memory, uh, all the traditional time series data that we're used to. But we also break that down at a per application level. So per application, you can identify which queries are running, what latencies are involved in all of those queries, and the execution plans in them to help you performance tune as well. And there is also an integration layer, which allows you to integrate with other technologies. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we're not really a very good OLAP database or a fully featured OLAP databases. So we, 
we figured that we have to make it easy to get data out of CockroachDB as well as getting data in. So we do have a feature called Change Data Capture or CDC, which will allow you to emit changes from CockroachDB into something like a Kafka queue or a HTTP file sync or, or something like that so that you can uh, process that data further in, in downstream applications. We're also very, very well built to run on top of things like Kubernetes um, because we are we wanted to do that because we saw the market moving towards a more microservice type architecture. So we have a set of um, stateful set files or configuration files that you can consume. We have Helm charts and we also have a, a, a Kubernetes operator as well that you can use. So predominantly, they are all of the layers that make up CockroachDB. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for the deployment story on top of Kubernetes. That's something we're doing at Form 3, and that's been sort of fairly straightforward. Um, probably a big shout out to the documentation team at Cockroach, because I have to say the help guides are, are very, very good. Um, can you just talk to me a little bit about what happens when you sort of lose a node? as one of your CockroachDB nodes, because obviously you've got some data on there. So what happens when a new new node joins and how does Cockroach like make sure that data's, um, you know, replicated to other nodes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the best way to talk about this is say you have a five node um, CockroachDB cluster uh, and you're running with a replication factor of three. So um, you're going to have, you know, one copy of the replica on at least three nodes. Um, those re Additional ranges will be spread across five nodes as well. So you, you are going to be using all five of the, the nodes. It's just only three will be used for any given raft group at a certain time. So um, what happens when uh, a node fails? Um, the short answer is it depends what node fails. <laughs> if, if it's a leaseholder node, then that's slightly more complicated than a non-leaseholder node. So we'll take the two examples, and I'll give you examples of both. If you lose a non-leaseholder node, so just a replica node, the short answer is nothing happens because that you still have two available nodes with two available replicas of your data. Uh, and the leaseholder is the one that will service the data back to the application for reads. And it's the one that controls the operation for the rights. So if you lose a non-leaseholder node, then nothing happens to your application. Your application will just continue to read and write to CockroachDB. And then one of two things could happen. The node you've lost can come back up in a short time frame, So within five minutes, for example, that is the case. What we will do is we will just copy the delta, the changes across to that node to get it up to speed with the other two replicas in the raft group. However, if that node is gone for more than five minutes, we have a process called up replication. And what that will do is it will up replicate and put another replica of the range on another spare node within your cluster. That means you will always maintain your replication factor of three, keeping you as survivable as possible in terms of, uh, of failures. The other one, as I mentioned, if you lose a leaseholder node, uh, again, not a lot really happens here. Um, we have a process or Raft has a process called leaseholder elections, which happen every nine seconds in CockroachDB. So if you lose a leaseholder node within Cockroach, what happens is we will just elect another replica to become the leaseholder, and then your application will just continue to work as normal. Now you may ask Kevin, what about all in-flight transactions to that leaseholder node when it fails? Then, as I mentioned earlier, we're a CP model. So we will always adhere to consistency and partition tolerance over availability. 
So if any in-flight transactions will actually fail in that case, and we will ask the application to retry. When the application retries, it will already have a new leaseholder. So it will be able just to continue to make forward progress. So I think that's that's two things I would advise anybody developing applications against any distributed database, not just CockroachDB, is always put retry loops and retry logic inside of your application and always make your statements as idempotent as you possibly can. Yeah, that's how we've built a lot of our workflows of Inform3. So we, we make use of SQS to do those retries and use the visibility timeout in SQS to retry a query. And then if it succeeds, you can just delete the message and then that won't fire ever again. Um, what would you say to anyone who wants to get started with CockroachDB? What's a good kind of on-ramp for them? How can they give it a try? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned how good our documentation is and I too can attest by that living and working in the field with many prospects. I, I often have to go back to the documentation. So I would highly encourage anybody to just go and take a look over some of that documentation. The, the big benefits with CockroachDB, as mentioned, you can get started as, as small as a single node on your laptop and you can scale it very, very easily to be running multiple regions and multiple data centers or, or cloud providers as well. If you are a fan of more curated type of um, content, we do have something called Cockroach University, uh, which is a free um, resource you can use on our website. And that will give you a curated uh, list of video um, tutorials and things like that, that, that touch on a lot of the core concepts like um, getting started with Cockroach, like um, the architecture of Cockroach. And then if you wanna be more specific and get into developer type of, of content, there are things like Java and Python course, courses on there as well for you. Okay, awesome. We'll be sure to put a link to that in the show notes. And I guess lastly, I noticed that you've at Cockroach just done a big new release. I think 21.1 just came out. Are there any important features that people should know about as part of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was released yesterday, I think. So it is hot off the press. You guys are one of the first uh, <laughs> marketing releases to actually see it. But um, yeah, I mean, some of the things that we've really done with the latest release is make it as easy as possible to do the multi-regional deployments. So those topology patterns that I talked about earlier, is now far easier to do with the latest release than in previous releases. So I can give you an example. Some, some of the previous releases, you would have to partition data, you would have to change zone configurations to constrain data into, into individual nodes. With the latest release, you simply have to say and tell Cockroach what type of deployment it is. So I wanna create this table and I wanna make it a regional table, and then we will constrain the data into the region. Or I wanna create this table and I wanna make it a global table and then we will make sure that there's copies in each range. So we have really simplified the process of deploying applications in multi-regional fashion. We've also added um, a lot more functionality around um, CDC integrations as well. So we've upgraded things like the Sarama authentication protocols so that you can use it with more Kafka native um, queuing technologies. Things like Red Panda, which is a, a popular Kafka um, alternative, mm -hmm. Confluent is another one. But it, it, it was also a requirement for us to work with um, AWS's version of hosted Kafka as well. So that's another major, major release point that we did. Um, and the other thing is we, we increased our functions that are available within our JSONB type storage as well. So if you have a document um, type use case, then there are a lot more functions available for you to, to use 
with that type of storage. Cool, awesome. Um, thanks a lot for taking the time to speak to me today, Daniel. I think uh, it's been a really interesting chat. Form 3 are looking to double the size of our remote first engineering team. If you'd like to help the world move money faster and enjoy working on complex technical challenges using the latest tech, feel free to check out the careers page in the description.